Welcome new and old friends, my name is 242, and today, 2 got us 7 creepy Reddit stories. These are stories about creepy encounters with people you just don't want to meet in real life. If you're on the YouTube channel, please like, subscribe, share, and comment. All that helps the algorithm know that others might enjoy this. If you're someone listening on the podcast, please follow, share, and, if possible, leave me a review. Again, this also helps the algorithm. Now, with all that being said... Turn off your lights. Make sure your doors and windows are locked. Things are about to get spooky. The Singing Woman on the Train by Anonymous This happened last week, and while she didn't seem malicious, the thing she said was creepy. I, 19 male, was going home from university, and to get home, I have to use the train. As I got on, a lot of the seats were occupied. In my country, the seats are put in a way so that four people can talk and sit in front of each other, and they're kind of close, perfect for talking, even with strangers, sadly. I see that there's a free space in front of this girl, who's like one or two years younger than me, but you can never know. I go there and asked her if I can sit down. Of course, she replied, and looked at me in a strange, intense way. I pulled out my phone to distract myself from her. She also had chocolate in her hand. That's going to be important for later. She asked me, where do you live? And I was like, why do you need to know? So she asked me when I'm going to get off the train. I told the place, and she told me that she's getting off the next one. She started singing and then said, oh, sometimes I sing. I'm a silly girl. Then did again. Whenever she said something, she looked at me like she wanted a response, so I replied, It's okay to be silly, because I just didn't want to talk to her. And then she told me, You're pretty. And when I asked, What? She asked if she's pretty. In my language, the second one is an extension of the first, so it seemed like she corrected herself. Then she asked if she had chocolate on her face. She did. I also got the chocolate in her hand offered to me, but I declined. She also told me about the piercing that came off, and she put it on in the middle of the train. I told her that she should get it fixed where she got it, and she said, In Germany? Will you go with me? But obviously, I told her no. While she tried to put her piercing back in, her mouth piercing, she told me that she was in love with me. I told her that I had a girlfriend. I don't, but the university I attend has much prettier girls than her. And that the pace is too fast for me. She told me that she will beat my girlfriend. Her, I love you, escalated into, I'll kidnap you, and strip for me. She asked me if I'd go with her, and if she could go home with me. Then, when the train arrived at my destination, she asked me, are you going, love? I told her yes, and went on my way. Luckily, she didn't follow me home. She also asked me when we're going to meet again. Hopefully, never. 
After the adults had successfully used the teleportation service four or five thousand times, a child was sent through it. After the child disappeared on one side, a note appeared on the other side that read, Second payment received. You can perform five thousand more teleportations. Guys follow me and my daughters around Walmart today. Bye. Informal Foot 2690. I was at Walmart earlier this evening with my two daughters, one elementary school aged and the other middle school. We looked around the school supplies for a minute and then round the corner to see the Halloween candy on display. As we turned the corner, a slightly older guy came really close to us like he was in a hurry and almost ran into our cart. He didn't have a cart or any items. I said, oh, excuse me, and then stopped in front of the candy to let my youngest ask a bunch of questions about the candy pumpkins. The man stopped quickly and started rummaging around the candies right next to my daughter. He was listening to our conversation and reacted strangely when my daughter said she wanted to take pictures of the candy. He was twitchy and caught my eye and looked away quickly. We moved on to the women's PJ section to look around for a few minutes and noticed the same man passed by really close again. He was turning to the right towards the shoes with a big bag of candy cradled in his arms. My girls went across the aisle to the boys' clothing section while I finished deciding, and when I was catching up with them a couple minutes later, that guy was whining through the boys' clothes towards my daughter's. He paused and looked confused or lost, but still like he was in a rush and watched me discuss sizes with my youngest. This is when I started to think something was off with this dude. I mentioned him to my older daughter, and they moved through the partition into the girl's clothes. I didn't see him again for a few minutes, and I figured it was nothing, but then he came into the section and was acting like he was trying to pick out a justice shirt. He still had that big bag of candy that he kept adjusting his grip on. I kept seeing him take quick peeks at my girls, but then every time he saw me watching him, he pretended to be occupied in his shopping. I told my oldest I thought he was following us, and she said she had noticed the same thing, and I made my youngest get in the cart so I could keep them both close. They both liked to wander a bit. The guy then walked out of the girls' section, passing close behind me, but he looped around the partition back into the boys' section and stopped at an opening on the other side, but still in a straight line of sight. He caught my eye again and twitched, then he pulled out his phone, texted someone, and walked away. By that time, I was on high alert and possibly getting quite paranoid. I looked around and saw two other slightly older men standing around. One was an electronics, kind of looking at a half-empty display of something, but I swear he glanced at me several times, even though there were three or four racks of clothes and a hallway with occasional people in between. The third guy had wandered into the girl's section and was apparently considering buying a justice shirt, too. Each time he saw me notice him watch us, he wandered down to the baby aisle but he kept coming back after a couple minutes. I realize now, looking back, that if I suspected something bad, I shouldn't have gotten my girls out of there. 
Clothes shopping for a picky preteen isn't fun, and I wanted to get it done and over with. On top of that, I kept second-guessing myself that the two other guys were just a coincidence. I kept my girls really close, and after we moved to the women's section, I didn't see any of them again, and I stopped feeling creepily that we were being watched. Now it's the middle of the night, and I'm pretty freaked out wondering what could have happened if I didn't notice the first guy and continue to let my girls wander around. Should I report anything? I can't imagine anything would be done just because I know some guy watching my daughters in Walmart. I'm sorry for this being so long. I wanted to put all the details because I don't know if I was being paranoid or not. Thank you. Quick little side note from 242. My rule of thumb is to always trust your gut and always to be paying attention to those people around you, especially when you have your children with you. You felt like he was watching you, and I agree you probably should have left the store, but at the same time, there was apparently maybe three guys. The other thing you can do is also to get an associate to go to customer service. A lot of the times they will send someone out to walk you and your children to your car. So... Rule of thumb is, be weird, trust your gut, and pay attention. Now, on to the rest of the stories, guys. My lucky number is 12. My daughter Marie's is 11, and mom told me that the number 13 has been following her around since childhood. Naturally, I thought it was a coincidence, but it was only when Maria told me that my granddaughter was seeing the number 10 everywhere did I realize the possibility of a countdown. Road Rage Car Followed Me Home by Yes Go Yim 9 I literally just had this happen to me an hour ago as I'm driving back home from work. As I'm at an intersection not too far from my house, there was a car from the opposite side of the road turning into where I was going, and we almost hit each other. We both stopped on time, and there was no biggie, but the guy in the car is noticeably yelling at me from inside his car, giving me the middle finger. Alright, so I let him go ahead, and I thought that would be the end of the road rage for tonight. Boy, was I wrong. Immediately after I let the guy through, behind him was a car turning very fast, so I accelerated and quickly got in front of him. Not out of ego or anything, I just thought that considering the position of my car in the turning lane, it's likely that this dumbass would hit me. Right afterwards, this guy is obviously pissed off and starts flickering his extremely bright lights at me for a minute straight. It was annoying as shit considering something brighter than the goddamn sun is shining at me for a minute, you can tell it's fucking hard to navigate a night like that. So I said to myself, Two can play at this game, fucker. And I slowed down to 20 miles an hour from 50, for a minute or so. Still flickering as light, but not so much at this point. At this point, I was close to home and turned into my subdivision, thinking this whole saga would end there and then. But holy fuck, this guy follows me into the maze of the neighborhood, and I get near my house and he's still following me. 
I freaked the fuck out was wondering, should I just park in my driveway and he'll go away, or should I go into a random neighborhood and try to lose him? As soon as I start passing my house, I decide to go right past it and onto another neighborhood a couple minutes away, and he's following me exactly to there. At this point, I left that neighborhood and just fucking jumped on my gas pedal and sped down the road and made a random right turn. At this point, he's still following me, but it's a red light for him, so thankfully he stops, and after that, he lost me. Honestly, this was a scary experience for me, considering my suburb isn't too far from a very dangerous hoods where gunshots can be heard often. Who knows if I would have stopped my car at home. Maybe this guy would have got a gun out and shot at me. It's just fucking creepy how this road-raged asshole easily followed me to my house in an obvious attempt to scare me. We've worked together for years, and all this time, I don't think she even knew my name. But today, she'll finally notice me. The news report the tale of the employee that snapped and killed everyone in the office except for the lucky woman. But I'm pretty sure she'll understand it was just my way of telling her that I love her. Burger King employee was creepy by Anonymous. Okay, so just to preference this, this was on Friday the 27th, and my friend and I had smoked cannabis before going out to eat and catch a movie. So my friend and I are in line at BK, and we're trying to decide if we should split a meal or get separate meals. My friend orders her food, and when I get to order, the guy goes straight to asking if we smoked weed. My first thought and question was, is it that noticeable? Now, I could barely hear the guy because he was speaking low, but he was asking about a certain strain that I couldn't really care less about. But it was getting to this point where he was telling me how much I could get for a certain price point, which I said I'd keep in mind. Now, my friend and I so didn't spray perfume or body spray. We normally do, but completely forgot to. I get to the table my friend picked out, and I start telling her what just happened. Not even a minute after I sit down, does this guy come over and pass me a folded-up napkin of this weed to sample. Now, my friend and I are just shocked in talking about this. I end up putting the napkin in my bra because it was the only place I could. I had no pockets. This guy ends up coming to our table three or four more times within the span of 15 to 20 minutes. When I went to get up to get my food before the other encounters occurred, this guy had to let me know that he gets off at 7.30pm and asked if we wanted to hang out. I straight up said that my friend and I were on a date and were going to the movie straight after this. After I got my food, this guy stopped at our table to ask what movie we were playing, what his name was. I don't remember what he said, just that it had something to do with the California State Bird. And the other times, I can't remember why he came over. He just spoke to me and not my friend, and I could tell this guy was trying to get some information on me. Now, I'm a very private person, and I'm also a very cautious person. I could tell this guy was trying something, and I acted dumb, even though I knew what was going on. 
My friend had noticed that after the last time he came over that this guy was staring at me anytime he passed by. I could tell he was staring at me because of the windows that made a reflection because my back was to him. It got to the point I told my friend we need to hurry because this was making me very uncomfortable. So he finished quickly and left. Now my friend and I did originally go to the movie theater, but decided to watch the movie at home because of how busy it was. When we decided to watch the movie at my place, we tried to hurry and leave because of the time and that guy was going to be getting off any minute. I don't think I'll be going to BK anytime soon because my hair color is blue. It's a very noticeable and not many people have that color in my town. Plus, it's a smallish town. I hope to never meet this guy again, and if I do, I may have to get a backbone, especially if he acts like he did this time. Not a very interesting story, and also trying to tell this day's layer doesn't help. But that's my creepy encounter. The baby cried as I started the operation. I suddenly cursed it for not keeping quiet for even a minute during the whole day. Imagine the ruckus if it could actually feel pain. Abandoned Factory by Vincent Vivi This story takes place in the summer of 2023. Me, male 17, and my friend, female 16, were hanging out at her house. And we fell on a subject that is passionate for both of us, Urban X. And as we were talking about that, she told me that there was an abandoned factory 30 minutes away from her house. Two seconds is what it took us to get our backpacks full of cigarettes, food, and water. We then started walking. We took some five-minute breaks from time to time and continued our path. Arriving here, we were absolutely in love with the creepiness and the absence of life in this place. Let me introduce you to the four buildings. It will help you understand the rest of the story. First building, locked. No more information. Probably somewhere to stock wood and metal. Second building, a big factory. It was the biggest building in the four. There were three floors, a basement, a workspace, and an eating place at the highest floor. Third building, a structure of wood to contain all the machines, etc. And finally, fourth building, a small gas station where there were keys of other rooms. There were two floors, but we didn't go to the second one for reasons you will see further in the story. Okay, so we entered the big factory, the second building. At first, we were getting shivers, but as time passed on, we got more and more comfortable with the place we were in. And I'm not going to lie, the alcohol probably helped with that. Then comes the moment. We had to do it. We were so curious. We stood in front of the door and opened it. There we were, in the basement. As we advanced in the room, we arrived to a small office. There was a fresh cup of coffee. We didn't think much of it at first. Maybe people like us come here. We didn't have time to make any theories, because that's when we heard something. A clown horn. We looked at each other and laughed nervously. We thought one of us had stepped on a toy or something else. But again... 
We heard a clown horn yell right behind us before we heard a cynical and traumatizing laugh. We ran to the door and left outside as fast as we could. We stood there, outside, scared. At this point, we didn't believe what was happening, so we laughed it off and took another sip of our beers. Now, we went back. Yes, stupid idea, I know. But don't worry. We didn't stay there even five minutes that we saw a hand open the same basement door. And that was it. We ran back home. I never ran so fast in my entire life. But I think there's a small detail that make you understand how bad it could have really been. One hour later, we were going to a restaurant and we heard gunshots at the exact position where the factory is. That night, we didn't sleep at all. And to this day, I've never gone back into that city. The department was celebrating after confirming that it's possible for the human mind to actually time travel in REM sleep. I sat at my desk recalling last night's dream of an enraged adult me chasing six-year-old father through my grandmother's house, ready to hurt him for things he hadn't done yet. Is this normal behavior? By Woe7592. So, a little background. My friend and I decided at 10 p.m. we would park our car at this park. It's pretty safe and we've been there many times, sometimes by ourselves. I'm a 5'7 dude and my friend is a 5'2 girl. Usually, we just sit there and talk or listen to music. This particular night, though, we had parked somewhere in a darker area, which is pretty typical. Keep in mind, this parking lot is pretty big, and there was already about six to seven cars there. I'm in the driver's seat, and my friend is diagonally across from me in the back seat. I notice the guy parks maybe six spots away from my car. The man gets out and is casually checking out my car. He starts walking through the park a bit, visibly getting closer, but eventually veers off. I think nothing of it, until 15 minutes later he comes back, but this time closer than before, and this time visibly trying to see inside. My friend is trying to calm me down, letting me know there's nothing to worry about. He eventually gets back into his car. At this point, I'm kind of keeping an eye on him. When he gets into his car, he backs out and parks right next to another car, only to get out and scope inside of the car. He gets back into his car and then parks right next to us. Keep in mind, this parking lot is huge and there's plenty of empty spaces, and at this point my friend is aware. We're both staring daggers into this man, and he looks at us, looks away, looks back at us, looks away until he turns off his car. He then gets out of his car right outside the door my friend is at and just stares at us. Both of us are so confused and obviously creeps the fuck out. He was kind of older and completely by himself. While he was standing out there, he shuffled a bit, with the biggest smile on his face never breaking eye contact. 
He gave us a very weird wave, almost non-visible. At this point, it's been three minutes of us all having a weird-ass staring competition. Keep in mind, our body language and facial expressions should have been more than enough for this guy to know we did not enjoy his presence. My friend is feeling a bit uncomfortable, so I start dialing the police. I want to roll the window down and let him know, but my friend didn't want me to provoke him. So we ended up backing out of the lot, in which shortly after he pulled out and left. We got his plates and reported it to the police, but so fucking weird. Anyone have any explanation for this behavior? What was he doing? You're jealous, that's why you always make sure my boyfriends catch you changing, I yelled at my sister. She rolls her yellow eyes and licks the blood off her muzzle as she says, Next time, don't bring your boyfriend over during the full moon. Creepy Men Stalking Us on a Camping Trip by Danica Darkhand Camping Story To set the stage for this story, we must go to the far back year of 1988. The location is Cascade Mountains of Oregon. I was 10 years old, and with me was my mom, dad, best friend, and our golden retriever, Amber. We were very much an outdoors family, and had many camping trips before this and since. But to this day, when I think about it, I still remember the terror I felt this weekend so long ago. After a brief talk with my father recently, it kind of came back to the front of my mind. He also was able to fill in a few details that I had forgotten. This holiday was like many others. We packed up the station wagon with everything we need for a hike into one of our favorite lakes to camp at. To make this trip even more exciting for me was the fact that it was my birthday weekend and I got to pick this lake. After we arrived at the trailhead and got our packs on, my dad got his sidearm out and strapped it on his belt. In Oregon, open carry was permitted in national parks, and my dad always had a gun on his hip while in the woods, which always added a sense of security. We had a close call with a bear one time in which it came in handy. The lake was about a four-mile moderate hike in through some thick forest, and the trail itself was well-maintained and was never very busy, so it was going to be a very pleasant hike in. We started off on our hike, and back in the 80s, it was not uncommon to have your dog off-leash on trails in the forest, so we let Amber run and do her thing. She was a good dog and never ran off too long or jumped on people. She did love people, though, and speaking of people, we had not seen anyone else on the trail for about two miles in on the hike, which was nice since it was just all of us talking, laughing, and enjoying nature. My best friend and I started to hike ahead of everyone else because we were so energized and excited about finding the first and best tent spot once we got to the lake. Amber was bounding ahead of us and having a great time, too. We were about 20 yards ahead of my parents when Amber stopped dead in her tracks. I thought she may have seen a chipmunk or something, maybe even a bird, but her heckles came up and she let out the lowest of growls. 
She never growls. So we stopped walking, and I thought maybe a bear or a deer or something was just off the trail and she saw it or heard it. We immediately started walking backwards, and my parents caught up to us. My dad asked us what was going on, and I told him that Amber was up the trail and is growling at something. He tells us girls to stay back with my mom, and he walks ahead to where Amber was on the trail. My dad gets up to her and looks around. I hear Amber whimper a bit while looking off the trail. My dad comforts her and calls her back and walks back to us. He says it must have been an animal. He did not see anything right off the trail or ahead of us. He says to let him take the lead and we continue to hike. It did not take long before it was forgotten and Amber and the rest of us were all having a good time again. We arrived at the lake and much to my delight, there was no one else there camping. The water was clean and blue and the shade from the trees made the whole scene just perfect. My friend and I found the best spot to set up our tent, and my parents followed suit. After the camp was set up, my folks went off to fish just down the hill, and my friend and I took off with Amber to walk around to the other side of the lake to catch salamanders. We only made about one-eighth of a mile when Amber stopped and started to growl. We stopped and looked around and heard bush rustling. Then, right in front of us, a man walked out of the trees. Amber stayed right by our sides and started to bare her teeth. He was taller than my dad, so at least 6'4", and was very skinny, but had very broad shoulders. He was clean cut and wearing a black jacket and a white polo shirt with loafers. I mean, he did not look like he hiked all day or was even dressed for the outdoors. He almost looked like he came out of a church. We just stood there trying to process the situation when Amber began to bark. The man just stood there, not moving, and he smiled. Like, the creepiest smile. It felt like someone who thought that that was what a smile was supposed to look like. Amber kept barking, and this got my parents' attention, and they look up to us and call out to us to come back. We complied and start walking back towards them. My dad met us halfway and told us to go back to the campsite, and he was going to go talk to the sky. We got to our camp, and Mom sat with us. I could hear my dad asking the guy if he needed help, or was he a fellow camper who just set up camp away from the lake. My dad was being polite and calm, but I could see he was on guard and trying to feel out the situation. Now is the time to mention that my dad is ex-army, and can be very intimidating when needed. The conversation continues. The guy told my dad that he was just on a walk and did not mean to intrude on us. The guy says goodbye and walks back into the woods. My dad walked back to camp, sat down, and told us that he thinks the man is a yuppie camper and does not know much about the outdoors. But my dad said that he got a weird vibe off of him and would be keeping an eye out for him. Amber stays by our side and was calm yet she kept looking towards the direction the guy went. A bit of time goes by, and we have a nice campfire going, the sun was starting to set. We cooked some dinner and made s'mores afterwards. My family and I decided to go to our tent and read some books and tell each other some scary stories. Amber followed us to the tent and laid right outside of the door. My parents walked down to the lake to sit, have a beer, and just chill. 
They were never more than 50 yards away. Not long after my parents walked away, I hear Amber start to growl. Then we hear footsteps coming from the woods behind our tent. My friend and I turn off our flashlights and go quiet to listen. The footsteps stop at the edge of the woods. We then hear heavy breathing and a grunting sound. Amber starts to bark, and then we hear footsteps retreat to the woods. Amber whimpers a bit, and then I hear my parents walking back to the camp. I go out and tell them what happened. My dad said they heard Amber barking, and that's why they came back. I asked my dad what we should do, what is going on, and if that strange guy was the one creeping around. He tells me that he will see about moving camp in morning since we still have three days left on the trip, and nothing has happened to warrant just leaving. But he said that he will play it by ear, and just be a little more vigilant, and if something changes, we will decide to what to do next. He tells us to try to get some sleep, and we all turn in for the night. The next morning, we get up and have breakfast. After breakfast, we head down to the lake to fish. It was a beautiful day, and we were having so much fun, the events from the prior day were almost forgotten. We decide around lunch that we would go for a short hike to the waterfall that was up from the lake. We were gone for only about an hour, and when we came back, we found our tents opened and our sleeping bags dragged out onto the ground. My dad tells us to hang back with my mom, and he goes to investigate. He comes back and says, nothing is missing. But it was not an animal that did this. He says we should break camp and hike back to the car and find another spot to camp the next couple of days. I could tell my dad was not wanting to frighten us, but I heard the urgency in his voice. It was very disappointing, but it meant we could enjoy the rest of the trip and not worry about some creep messing with us. Then it was worth it. We broke camp and started our hike back. Dad was in the lead, and we were double-timing it, and made it back to the car in record time. As we walked over to the car, we could see that one of the tires was flat. Not a big deal. We always had a spare. But when my dad bent down to start taking the lugs off, we swore. It was not just flat. Someone had slashed the tire. Dad changed that tire in record time and threw everything into the car. He goes to turn the car on, but it won't start. Dad swears, gets out of the car, and pops the hood. He says, shit. It turns out someone took our spark plug wires. Old cars like that Chevy wagon did not have an interior hood release. He could just pop the hood from the outside. Dad slams the hood, says some very colorful words, and kicks some rocks. We were stuck, and no one else was at the trailhead. We were stranded. My parents are calm under pressure, and after a few minutes of discussion, it was decided that my dad would walk down the road until he could hitch a ride to town and go to the auto parts store. My mom and the rest of us were going to wait with the car and look for someone to hopefully pull into the trailhead and help us. A few hours go by, no one has come to the trailhead. It's getting hot and we're hungry and tired. Mom makes us some lunch and we go sit under a tree to cool off. Amber is by her side and was calm, but then we hear a voice. Amber leaps up and starts whimpering. The creepy guy from yesterday comes down the trail and is asking my mom if we need help. 
My mom tells them that we are fine, and that it's being settled, and my dad will be back soon. This creep then tells her that his camp is close, and that he parked on the old fire road that's near the lake, and asks if we would like to come back to his camp and wait until my dad returns. Mom sternly tells him no, and that we'll be waiting here, and thank you anyway. He does not like this. He tells her mom that it's not safe out here for a pretty lady and two young girls. My mom, like my dad, is no pushover and asserts herself again that we do not need any help and to please just leave us alone. The guy just stands there, smiles wide, and then just turns around and leaves. My mom is visibly shaken and us girls are just a bit scared. My mom comes over to us and tells us we need to stay close, do not wander, and that we'll be okay. My friend and I are really kind of freaked out and are just hoping my dad would make it back soon. After about 30 minutes, the creepy guy comes back. This time, though, he's not alone and has a slightly younger guy with him. The other guy is dressed as a yuppie camper and has a very stern look on his face. My mother stands her ground as they approach. Amber starts a low growl and her hackles go up. The two guys flank us, and one of them flashes a gun tucked into his belt. The other guy tells us that we need to go with them, and they're not asking. The mom backs up next to us, and without taking her eyes off them, reaches to her belt and pulls out her bowie knife. My mom said that we will not be going with them, and that they need to leave now. The two men did not even flinch at this, and said that we'll be coming with them, or they will hurt us. At this moment, though, Amber goes from just growling to barking and puts herself between us and them. This makes the guys stop. My mom yells that they need to leave now. They start backing up, and at that moment, we heard a truck pulling into the trailhead parking lot. At the sight of the truck, the guys start to walk away fast and disappear into the tree line. The truck was a forest ranger, and he had my dad with him. My dad jumped out of the truck and ran over to us, asking if we were okay. The ranger came over and asked who those men were and if we were okay as well. My mom explained everything when my dad hugged us girls and told us that we'd be okay. The ranger takes off looking for the men. My dad tells us he was about five miles from town when the ranger picked him up and took him the rest of the way to get the parts for the car. He then drove him back to our car. After hearing what happened, my dad was pissed and wanted to find the guys who tried to kidnap us and then had been terrorizing us for the past 24 hours. The ranger came back and told us he had almost caught up to them, but they had sped away in their truck with a camper in tow. They had parked behind a small ridge behind the lake on an old logging road. He did not get a plate, but he radioed a description of the men and their truck and camper to the local sheriff's office. He also took our information and said he would pass it on to them as well. He waited for us until our dad had the car fixed and we were able to leave. We decided not to continue camping and instead drive a couple hours spend the last two days of our trip at the beach and stay in a hotel. A few days later, a deputy called my dad and told him they never did find the men. He said that it was most likely a crime of opportunity after seeing a woman with two girls in tow. He was sure they had been watching us from off the trail and had messed with our camp to judge how my dad would react. When my dad seemed to be a threat, they sabotaged our car hoping to put us in a position where we were vulnerable. 
He said they would follow up with us if they found out anything else, but according to my dad, nothing came of it. Years later, I tried to do some research onto the crimes in the area of Oregon during the 80s that might have involved something like what we had experienced. All I could find was a few reports of campers being robbed and a few cars being broken into. There was one case of a young lady and her dog going missing from the area near there, but it was never determined what had happened to her, or even if it was something bad or she just ran away. I can tell you that we did go back to that lake a few years later and had a very uneventful camping trip. It was nice to go back and find some joy in the spot that was special to me. I really hope those creepy guys never hurt anyone and maybe were caught for other crimes. I will never know, though. I just hope to never run into that situation like that again. I can say that having a dog along with us helped our situation. She was a hero and kept us alert. Amber went on to live until she was 12 years old and passed away with her favorite people around her. Remember to stay safe, stay watchful, and never hurts to have a sweet, brave dog with you. I think I used to date her, I said absentmindedly after I recognized the wrist hummingbird tattoo. Yeah, well, after the war, we eat whatever we can get, my brother said as he bartered with the raider for the arm and other meat. And with that, our time together is coming to an end. As always, I would like to thank the writers who let me read their stories today. I hope you all stay safe and never meet these people again. I don't know if it's just coincidence, but it does seem like road rage is on an increase as of late. I don't know if it's because people can share their stories more with dashcam footage and also writing their stories, but it does seem to be getting worse out there, so please, if you're driving, really be safe. And if you're walking, also be safe. There are creeps out there who wish to do us harm. And you never know which one it's going to be. It's best to always stay alert when you're out and about, and sometimes even in your own house. And of course, if you're on a platform that allows it, please leave me a review, and if you can, also write one. All that really does help quite a bit. I've also switched providers this week. I used to be with one that I had to pay, and now I've switched to Spotify. There's a couple reasons why I did this. One, Spotify is actually free. The other reason is I can ask questions, make polls and stuff like that, and get actual answers from people who are listening to my podcast, which I, it's great I get that from YouTube, but I would love to know what the podcast listeners would also like. So this was a major feature that Spotify had over my old carrier that just made sense to me. So truth be told, I, I don't know if you guys are hearing ads or not. If you are starting to hear ads when you're not used to, this is why I've switched carriers. But now that you listen to me rambling on, as always, guys, thank you for listening. It always has and always will mean the world to me. Sleep tight and don't let 42 bite.